CLNS Media, powered by BetOnline.ag. Go to CLNSmedia.com slash roll. Use our promo code CLNS50 for 50% off your first deposit. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of the Steelers Media Boston Celtics Post Game Live. I am your uh, possibly temporary host, New Bedford Nick Sestento. I'm not sure who is supposed to host the show tonight, but. Didn't want to keep you guys waiting any longer on uh, what ended up being a terrible game for the Boston Celtics and what has been the most terrible stretch of the season for a team that started out gangbusters, exceeding all expectations, uh, now in a severe slump, losing six of their last eight games after tonight's 123-119 to loss to the Phoenix Suns at home in TD Garden. Uh, The Boston Celtics came into this game uh, after a uh, tough loss to the Milwaukee Bucks a couple of nights ago, um, having lost, uh, as I mentioned, six of their previous eight games, um, including losses to the Sixers, losses to the Wizards, losses, I mean, just losses piling up. And now, to add insult to injury, the Boston Celtics come in and drop a 123-119 to game to the Phoenix Suns. Uh, this was not a game in which the Boston Celtics were competitive uh, for the first three quarters. The Phoenix Suns outscored the Boston Celtics in the first quarter, outscored the Boston Celtics in the second quarter, had a uh, nine-point lead heading into the half. Outscored the Boston Celtics in the third quarter. And as is frequently the case with this Boston Celtics team, they think they can just sleepwalk through a game and then turn it on uh, in the fourth quarter and, you know, make a game of it. And they sure made a game of it. They outscored the Phoenix Suns by nine points, 43-36 in the fourth quarter, but not enough to come back. Um, This was... Uh, for what it's worth, a Boston Celtics team coming into the game um, hobbled by injuries. This was a very incomplete Boston Celtics team that you saw tonight. Um, No Jalen Brown, who continues to miss time with uh, a strained thumb, I believe is what it is. Um, Not positive whether it's strained, if it's anything worse, Uh, but Jalen Brown looking probably to miss uh, the next few games. Uh, And Kemba Walker reporting knee soreness to team doctors. MRIs are negative. I believe it's the right knee. MRIs are negative, so not much to worry about there with Kemba Walker. The man is a very old, 29 years old. Not not very old. He's a young man. But, you know, 29 years old. He's been in the league for several years now. I believe this is his uh, ninth season, eighth season. He's going to have some knee uh, soreness sometimes. Um, Unless this was a... Uh, scheduled, you know, Kemba Walker rest, although I don't think the way the Boston Celtics have been playing lately that uh, the team is in any position to take any team for granted, even if they have a very highly anticipated matchup with the Los Angeles Lakers coming up on Monday. Uh, This is not a team that is in any capacity, in any shape to take any team for granted, 
um, especially when uh, other players like Jalen Brown are injured. Uh, so the starting lineup coming into this game, I don't know if the Brad Stevens, as much as he likes to tinker with the starting lineups and stand, tinker with the rotations, don't know if we've seen this one before. Uh, Daniel Tice at center, Jason Tatum at power forward, Grant Williams playing the other power forward. I guess that Jason Tatum would have been the small forward, Grant Williams at power forward, uh, and Gordon Hayward. That just looks like three, you know, reasonable size forwards, and then Marcus Smart playing the point. Not going to bury the lead. Big ups to Marcus Smart setting a Boston Celtics franchise record. And it's difficult for a storied franchise like the Boston Celtics uh, to set records for that franchise. And Marcus Smart did it. And of all things, three pointers made in a game, uh, shattering the previous mark of nine uh, three pointers made in the game with 11. Three-pointers in tonight's game for Marcus Smart. Nearly all of his of his uh, 13 field goals were three-pointers. And not only did he set the record with 11 of uh, 22 uh, three-point shooting, but he shot 50% from, the, uh, from three. So, and even better than 50% from the field. So, fantastic game, 37 points, uh, five rebounds, eight assists, four steals, for Marcus Smart and only one turnover. Extremely efficient game for Marcus Smart, who came through uh, for a team that was, uh, you know, depleted due to injury, stepping in for Kemba Walker. Uh, Jason Tatum, an excellent game for Jason Tatum, not necessarily from the three-point line the way Marcus Smart had it, um, but 26 points for Jason Tatum, 10 rebounds, two two assists, three steals, and a block. Um, 10 for 20 shooting. So uh, Jason Tatum, who's been kind of you know spotty here and there, not you know not necessarily you know, d- d- consistent, we should say, uh, with his shooting, uh, going uh, shooting 50% from the field tonight, um, but only two of seven from three. We need Jason Tatum to get back um, into the groove from behind the arc, but he did hit a uh, very nice three-point shot uh, close to the end of regulation to bring the game uh, to within two points. But, of course, you know, at that point, it was just a matter of free-throw shooting. And when Devin Booker's shooting those free free throws, you're not going to get much um, out of it. Uh, Gordon Hayward, for his part, uh, nice game from Gordon Hayward, 22 points, seven rebounds, seven assists, a steal and a block. Um, on 8 for 20 shooting in 41 minutes. This is a Gordon Hayward game, but, man, Gordon Hayward missed a bunny. It was a, a, a what would have been for a more athletic player, uh, a an alley-oop and a slam dunk into the basket, but for Gordon Hayward in his – at this point, I'm just going to go ahead and say it. I don't want to ride Gordon Hayward. It's not his fault. I have – Total sympathy, empathy, whatever you want to call it, for for the situation Gordon Hayward finds himself in after um, these years of rehab and and still dealing with nagging injuries. But the man cannot jump like that, and uh, he caught the ball in midair. We've seen him make those alley layups uh, so many times before. Missed the alley layup uh, tonight that could have maybe possibly, I doubt it, but could have maybe possibly made a little bit of a difference as the Boston Celtics are trying to mount a late-stage comeback in, again, what was a 123-119 to loss for the Boston Celtics at home. 
um, to the Phoenix Suns. And before I get into the uh, Phoenix Suns stats, uh, just going to let uh, remind everybody, I'm sorry, not really with it tonight. I was planning on watching the uh, the UFC prelims and then maybe streaming the uh, main main event. But whatever. Just want to remind everybody that this episode of the CLNS Media Bosses Others Post Game Show is brought to you by HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. Get easy seasonal recipes and pre-measured ingredients delivered right to your door. All you have to do is cook and enjoy. For $80 off your first month of HelloFresh, go to HelloFresh. Dot com hellofresh.com from Latinos out there forward slash CLNS80 that's CLNS80 and enter CLNS80 to enjoy $80 off your first month of HelloFresh whether you're a single college student like many of my colleagues here at CLNS Media um, you know just trying to uh, survive often on ramen noodles if you happen to have the extra cash. I know if you're in college, it's not easy to come by, but happen to have the extra cash, you don't have to worry about what you're going to be eating for dinner because you'd have HelloFresh waiting right at your door uh, with all the ingredients and all the recipes ready to prepare. Or if you're a uh, family man or woman, have, you know, one, two, three, five, eight kids, and you need uh, a household to feed, uh, don't know what to do, uh, don't know what to cook on a nightly basis, don't want to drag your kids out to uh, some unhealthy stuff like McDonald's or uh, McDowell's, if this is coming to America, <laughs> you know you got HelloFresh, and they'll take care of you with healthy ingredients, seasonal ingredients, fresh ingredients, which is what makes HelloFresh America's number one meal kit. So get your easy seasonal recipes and pre-measured ingredients from HelloFresh. HelloFresh.com forward slash CLNS80 and to CLNS80 code for $80 off your first month. Um, and with that, just like to shout out the uh, call-in, toll-free call-in phone lines at 347-215-7771. When you hear the automated operator, please press 1 on your dial. That will let us know that you'd like to get on the air live. I will be checking the phone lines in a minute to see if there is a host that will be calling in. Otherwise, You'll be riding with me for the next couple of minutes as I finish summing up uh, what turned out to be a big fat turd for the Boston Celtics, dropping uh, their game to the Phoenix Suns once again, 123 to 119 at home uh, in TD Garden. Um, just to sum up, we did have uh, 17 minutes of Tremont Waters. He's been um, lighting it up up there in Maine uh, with the Red Claws. Um, 17 minutes, I mean, he is a rookie. He, I believe he was a, a second-round pick, Tremont Waters, if he wasn't undrafted. I'm not positive. So many so many young players on this team, I can't keep track of them all. But 17 minutes, one of five shooting, have four points, three rebounds, three assists, a steal. It's not a bad game for a, uh, a Celtics rookie. Um, not really much production off the bench, not a single player in double figures off the bench. And uh, in the starting lineup, uh, four of the starters had double figures, as I mentioned, 37 for Marcus Smart, setting that uh, three-point record um, on 11 of 22 shooting from behind the arc, franchise record for the Boston Celtics, uh, 26 points for Jason Tatum, 22 points for uh, Garden Hayward, and 12 points for for Daniel Tice. Um, but uh, when it comes to legit big men like uh I believe his name Daniel Ayton, or I don't know what his first name is, Ayton. 
I should know this because he's a he's a solid player and he's a player I wouldn't mind seeing in green. Um, I don't know why I pulled up on the box score is showing me Mikael Bridges, but whatever. Um, Aiton, uh, 26 points and 15 boards for the Phoenix Suns. That, this is this is one of those situations where you know Daniel Tice at six foot eight. 200, and he's listed 6'9", 240. I think he's probably 6'8", maybe, you know, 225 or 230. He is not a big guy. DeAndre Ayton, I'm sorry. I should have known that already. Um, this is just one of those situations where, you know, he, a, a guy like Daniel Tice is just going to get ate up by the bigger bigger uh, DeAndre Ayton, who is a legitimate center. Uh, Daniel Tice is a power forward uh, playing center for the for the Boston Celtics. And uh, I know this has been a topic of um, discussion for virtually the entire season among Celtics fans, but whether or not the Boston Celtics need a presence down low. Uh, not sure if they need a presence uh, from outside, if they need to make a move at this point, uh, but they definitely need somebody that can play some defense down low against some of these bigger big men. Um, otherwise, it's going to start getting a little bit, hard to you know hang in there at the at the top of the um eastern conference uh you know top four eastern conference um uh seating not to talk about seating too early but in the top four uh, eastern conference places to earn a spot to earn a uh home court advantage in the first round and possibly uh further uh in the playoffs if they continue to lose to teams like the Phoenix Suns, uh, 39 points for Devin Booker, not to bury the lead. Devin Booker is just an outstanding player. He's a superstar. I think he's the future of the NBA. Um, if he could do a little bit better on defense, so did, he did have two steals tonight. A little bit better on defense from Devin Booker. If he could turn himself into more of a two-way player, I think he is. He's just the ultimate. He's a, he's he's a weapon. And there was nothing the Boston Celtics could do tonight to uh, to stem the tide for a motivated Devin Booker. 39 points, uh, 10 rebounds, missed a triple-double by one assist, nine assists, two steals. Um, as I mentioned, DeAndre Ayton, 26 points, 15 rebounds. Um, I don't know if it's pronounced Michael McHale. I do not follow the Suns, so I apologize to all the hardcore NBA fans that know the names of every single player on every single roster. Uh uh, Bridges, the small forward for the Phoenix Suns, 26 points. Don't know how when you have a player like you know Jason Tatum play some defense, man. You don't let don't let Bridges score 26 points on you. Uh, Dario Saric, 13 points, 11 rebounds uh, from him. The uh, Phoenix Suns just you know you got three players and you know 25 plus points, and then a third that had 13 points and just too much. The uh, Phoenix Suns shot 47% from the field, 42% from three, as opposed to the Boston Celtics, who shot 44% from the field and 36% from three. So, you know, there's your difference. Uh, and I've been defending the Boston Celtics. They've been in the top ten in team uh, total team rebounding for most of the season. Uh, and they've been in the uh, top ten uh, for most of the season in uh total team blocks per game, but in this game they got out-rebounded hard 52-39 to by the Phoenix Suns. And once again, that just goes to show you know, you have uh, Grant Williams, who's maybe 6'7 in, you know, uh, those big-soled, you know, K-Swiss or Fila sneakers probably more like six foot six, you know, playing up front along with Daniel Tice who is maybe six foot eight or six foot nine, uh, in, you know, some nice stilettos. <laughs> uh, not to criticize Daniel Tice, just saying, you know, very small front, you know, front uh front court against, you know, a a, a bigger 
you know, more potent front court with probably the best offensive player on the court in, in Devin Booker most nights, and that's not just against the Boston Celtics, but against most teams, Devin Booker is going to be your, your top defensive player on the or offensive player on the court. Um, with that, I'd like to uh, see if the there is anybody on the CLNS Media Boston Celtics toll-free call lines. Once again, that number is 347-215-7771. I do see area code 603. Not sure if this is the host who's supposed to be hosting, but if it is, I will gladly turn the show over. If not, we'll just have a chat with whoever it is if they feel like chatting live on the CLNS Media airwaves. Area code 603, what's up? What do you think about this Boston Celtics loss, 123-119 to at TD Garden? It is who you think it is, to quote Denny Green. Um, I am. Oh my goodness! I, I should have no. The- I should know your area code by now, <laughs> Joe. Show. I, I I sat here listening to the uh, the uh, elevated jazz, waiting for a host to pop up. I was texting uh, the boss, uh, Bobby Man. You need me to cover the show because I don't hear nothing. And then I was like, you know what? Screw it. I'm just going to jump on and talk about this uh, this flying turd of a game. But here we go, Joe Show. Let's 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 hear what you have to say because I've been chatting for way too long. <laughs> no, you've you've done a great job as you always do. Uh, anybody who's listening new tonight understand that Nick Sassento, Nick Sassento is literally an OG when it comes to the CLNS media broadcast of the Celtics post game live. Uh, but I will tell you this, Nick, a couple of things. Number one, yes, Bobby tagged me uh, today to host. However, he caught me mid workout for my old man baseball team. Uh, we had an indoor practice tonight. So I will qualify Ooh. my next two two statements by telling you this. I did not Joshua see a second out. of this game. Oh, I'm yes, sir. I still images, play competitive. <laughs> no, brother. I still play competitive baseball, nine innings, uh, two umps, wood bat. Um, it's, a, you know, everybody has their passion in life. I was never tall enough to be a baller. So, yes, you can start playing that drop. I wish I was a little bit taller. I wish I was a baller. I wish if I was I a girl, baller. I wish I, I had a taller. girl in the hood. I would uh, call There you go. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. But, I wasn't at five eleven. That's not real, and I wasn't a point. Um, I ended up gravitating towards basketball. I mean, sorry, towards baseball. And to this day, I still play baseball competitively. Uh, never been able to shake that. However, it doesn't change the fandom that I have for the Boston Celtics. Uh, that being said, as much as I could easily drop trow and take a huge deuce on tonight's game and bring out <laughs> individual pieces of the game that I did not like, I'm going to hold that back because I didn't watch a ton of it, and the parts that I did see were so ugly that if you tell me that that's the sum of all parts, then I don't really want to talk too, too much about it. But I will tell you this. The one stat, you mentioned it in your monologue. I saw it on TV, heard it on the radio, and been reading it on Twitter for the last 10 minutes, is that Marcus Smart, as you know, Isaiah and I fight oh, yeah. for the championship title of president of his fan club, um, said a Celtics, Celtics, let that sink in. For the listeners that are just calling in, the listeners that have been listening to you and I go back and forth, you and I with any of the other co-hosts on this, they know you and I love Marcus Smart's game. That being said, let it sink in that Marcus Smart tonight set a Celtics franchise record for total number of made three-pointers in a game. Think about the legendary Celtics that have come in the past. All right. And you don't, you can look as far back as the 80s if you want. You go Bird. All right. Bird, yeah, dropped a bunch. Ainge. Ainge was on that team. Ainge was known as a post up three point shooter. 
Ainge didn't touch that. You know who touched that? First, after the Larry era, after the Danny era, after the um, uh, Greg Kite era, you can go in with <laughs> Isaiah, Isaiah Thomas did it. Who else did it? Antoine did it twice. He did it no one. He did it no two. Um, that was the – if you remember, Nick, and I know you do because you and I are similar in age, yet I am definitely your older brother. That was during the wiggle <laughs> phase when Twan would drop that three and then wiggle back to half court and then turn and play D. That's yeah, the show that the happened. shimmy. 0-1, 0-2. Oh, goodness, yep. it was so great. Um, but that Employee being said, number eight, you absolutely. Really, exactly. But you really I'm not gonna, I don't want to cut you up, but I no. just want to say, anybody out there that is thinking about buying a Boston Celtics jersey, there are two jerseys that you can never go wrong with on this current roster. Eight. One is agent number eight because there's already been a, a, a walker that won number eight for the Boston Celtics that will never be forgotten. He will forever be a Celtic, even though he got his ring somewhere else. He will forever be a Celtic. He played all those years with Paul Pierce until Paul Pierce, you know, got the, the Hall of Famers around him. And number seven, because whether or not Jalen Brown, and you know how I feel about Jalen Brown, didn't play tonight, and, and I think he's probably the best Celtic on this team or will be very shortly. Even if Jalen Brown somehow, even if Jalen Brown doesn't somehow stick around, there was D. Brown, and I'm just old enough. I was a little jit, as we say here in Florida, and I'm going to get a little bit of the slam from Florida. When I was a little jit, I remember watching D. Brown and doing the, the, the dab dunk in the dunk contest. He won number seven. So if you need a Brown number seven or a Walker number eight, you can never go wrong with those two jerseys. People ask me, what jersey should I buy? Buy one of those two. They'll never, they'll never go out of style. Anyways, continue with the Antoine Walker uh, reminiscing. Absolutely. No, so I'm just saying, when you look back at this game, when you look back, regardless of the outcome, the outcome was disgusting. Let's just figure it out. I don't want to really talk about where this team is going right now because the direction is towards you, Nick. It's south from Boston. It doesn't look really good right now. Will they fix it? Will they turn it around? Will they add? Will they subtract? Will they change player rotations? These are things that you and I have been talking about now over the past 10 days of things that we kind of – are starting to see some signs of last, you know, last game after the Milwaukee game, I raised the question as to whether or not Gordon Hayward was currently being showcased if he's hampered by injuries or if it's just coaching indifference. And we're seeing the, a, a replay of the beginning of last season when you didn't have a 100% Gordon Hayward, yet you were rolling him out night after night, first month of the season, while this team was struggling for wins, struggling to find an identity and struggling to find, quite honestly, speed and defense on the floor. So here we are. It's January 2020. It's, a, it's 18 months, basically 16 months removed from this point in last year. What are we doing with Gordon Hayward? At this point, you know, does he need to go back to that role of being the sixth man, as you brought up in the last broadcast that we did, being that sixth man off that bench, that go-to guy, the guy that's running the point on that second unit? Is that what you need to do to Gordon Hayward to get a consistent level of play out of him night in and night out. I'm not a hundred percent sure. I was slightly impressed with the way he stepped up tonight, but dude, I got to see more than one good night, two bad nights, one good night, three bad nights, one good night. I got to see a better pattern than that. If you want to be somebody who's in the starting five of a championship level and the team, Yes, sir. Consistency, please. And, and, and I'm glad that you mentioned 
you know, this point last season because that was one of the things that I did before jumping on the air was I looked at the Boston Celtics record at this point last season. And at this point last season, the Boston Celtics were in the midst of, I believe, a uh, winning uh, 10 of 11 games. They were literally, I think, two wins into a uh, 10 of 11 game win streak on January 18th of last year. So, uh, oh, I mean, they're, the they're, they they're, in, they're in two completely different places, even despite all the drama from, you know, we, we all know what happened as the Boston Celtics head into uh, uh, the All-Star break. They were screaming at each other on the court, and now uh, the, the player who remained nameless was, you know, kicking up dust and, you know, throwing people under the bus. And it, when the team didn't seem like it was really all in, you know, all in one piece, I'm not sure if that was even a, a phase when that player was out for a, a, a brief period of time. But last year at this on this date, the Boston Celtics, I believe, were two wins, two or three wins into a 10 wins out of 11 game streak. And now here we are uh, having, here they are, I should say, having lost uh, six of the, their last eight. They're going in, like you mentioned, in the absolute wrong direction. They're heading south, and by south, I mean they're, fran- they're, this, they're, you know, they're, they're starting to look like the Orlando Magic and not the Boston Celtics because this is not what you want to see. Uh, and I, I agree with you. I liked where you were going before I started talking about jerseys like a, like a moron. But this this should be a show because I think we can we can lament this. And maybe if you want to do a, l- a little bit deeper dive in the you know the the 15 or 20 minutes we got left on the show, I mean we can kick it for however long you'd like. But you know the 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 number one takeaway from this should be all praise to Marcus Smart and. Setting yes, a record sir. for the for the for this for a story franchise like the Celtics is one thing, but for a for Marcus Smart, a guy that I used to, pardon the language, but that I used to shit on on a regular basis because his threes he would jack them up and jack them up. He would feel himself too much, and to set the record in threes made and do it shooting fifty percent from three. I apologize, Marcus Smart, if I ever said anything bad about you. I might grumble under my breath in the future when you start taking some of those I'm feeling myself threes in the future, but uh, you you hold the record, my man. And I, I think I don't want to I don't want to you know harp on the negative of this specific game too much, other than to say uh, Marcus Smart is that guy. And now to answer your question, my Gordon Hayward, and then I'll kick it back to you. We we had this discussion on the, on the previous show. I like those roundtable type shows. Uh, you, uh, jo- uh, Yoel Pavone, and I um, having you know basically just just brainstorming and talking out all of these things. I and I brought up I think we and we all seem to kind of agree that I think that yes, regardless of whatever you know, Gordon Hayward is getting paid right now. You know what I'm saying? That contract was signed before he became you know the player that he is now. Certain things have happened. Certain very serious things have happened, and you have to adapt to the circumstances as they are. The only problem is. Gordon Hayward can't go back to the bench right now because Jalen Brown is injured, Kemba Walker is out with knee soreness, and half the team, you know, and, and even even though they play different positions, you know, Brad likes to you know mix things up and you know adjust things and all those other things. Robert Williams injured. You have too many players out to not have Gordon Hayward out there doing you know what you need you know what you need him to do and what we need him to do as you know fans. And what the Boston Celtics need him to do as an organization is to 
and maybe it's not possible. Maybe he can't. But you know, for for them to stay, af- you know, to stay afloat and stay up there in the you know the number two or three spot where they've been for most of the season. I mean, no, I don't think anybody's going to catch the Milwaukee Bucks. I don't see it happening. Uh, for for them to stay afloat and not drop out of the you know the top four because it's competitive. You know, this is a competitive you know top you know five teams in the Eastern Conference. Uh, Gordon Hayward has to have if he's gonna if he's gonna be inconsistent, it can't be like you said, one good game, two bad games, one good game, three, you know, bad or mediocre games. It has to be two good games and, you know, one bad game or two good games and a, and a mediocre game or at least one good game, a mediocre game, and then, you know, a, a mediocre game spread in between some of the bad games instead of good game, bad game, bad game, bad game, good game, bad game. No, good game, bad game, mediocre, good, mediocre, good, bad. You know, you know what I'm saying? Does that make any sense? What I'm trying to say is that he needs to kick it up but he doesn't have to be perfect every night but he needs to he needs to give us uh you know 16 17 18 more consistently than what he's been doing absolutely nick you couldn't be any more succinct if you wanted to be and you know we we kind of alluded to deep dives you were alluding to it as in regards to this game but just in regards to advanced stats right this this surprised the crap out of me and it defines what it is to be a Boston professional athlete. Now, just because you are a Boston professional athlete, it doesn't necessarily mean that you are held to the standards of your career. You're held to individual moments. You're held to moments in in a game that impact, that influence, that have a determining factor in a game. And you either rise to those occasions or you don't. It's one or the other. And what we do is in Boston, when we, when we find those type of players in baseball, whether they be Poppy, Pedroia, uh, Beckett, Schilling, and in baseball, with Brady, with uh, Matthew Slater, with Nate Ebner, with Sony Michelle, when you, Gronk, when you, doesn't matter, Bergeron, Stephen Gilmore, uh, Zidane Ochara, it doesn't, it, yeah, it doesn't matter who. Malcolm Butler, it's speaking what of moments. Do, it's what you do in that moment that ingratiates you and defines your career in the Boston sports fans mentality. And I say all that because in looking at the advanced stats for Gordon Hayward this year versus career, do you realize that this year versus career, his minutes are up, his points per game are up, his percentage from the floor is up. His percentage from behind the arc is up. How nuts is that? Let that sink in. This guy is having a season above career averages, and we're talking about putting him in a role as the sixth man off the bench to assist this team in reaching the levels in which we feel their potential lies. This is a good, you know, we're, we're shitting on him. I'm with you, Nick. Trust me. There's the, you know, I have no love loss for Gordon Hayward. It's more the it's more the understanding of this is and you alluded to it in your in your, what is it, your two, speech. Two hosts, one cup. <laughs> right. He's he's at the But he's he's at he's at this position in the season where Gordon Hayward is best served being a six man because as part of the starting five, he's not an impact player. So the idea is 
take this player with above career average stats and put him as the lead of your second unit unit and better set your full team up for success. To your point, you cannot do it right now. That's the suck part. The suck part is Jalen Brown's thumb is an issue. Kemba's knee's an issue. Uh, there's no chance you're going to get much out of Robert Williams before the break. Uh, Vincent Poirier comes back. He's gone again. I mean, all the little pieces, the role players, the starters, your point getters, your defenders, each one, each unit is missing a key component in what was put together as an opportunity for the Boston Celtics to not rebuild with the departure of last year's player to not be named, as well as other players and support roles. This, this recipe that was put together to not rebuild, but to retool. And unfortunately, injuries have held you back so far this year. But one thing I don't want to forget to mention before I kick it back to you, Nick, is one of the things that I appreciate about being able to do the post games on CLNS Media directly after each buzzer is we give the honest-to-God take that we have from watching the game that we just saw on television, the game that we just listened to on the radio, the game that we just saw highlights on whatever media outlet you get them on. We give those instant opinions, instant thoughts, instant you know directions that we think the team should go in. And you know what I find funnier than everything? You and I get to do this after every Celtics game, whether it's a, a, a home game or an away game. Within a day, the writers take play. I know they may not necessarily be calling into our show, but it strikes me ridiculously coincidental that the takes that you and I had on Hayward after the Milwaukee game immediately appeared in uh, SB Nation, ESPN, Yahoo Sports. I was blown NBA.com articles about whether or not Hayward should become a sixth man. You and I talked about that minutes after the game, yet a day later, there it is in print. Do we get accredited? No. But I'll tell you one thing. I appreciate doing these post games with you because I know that you and I are setting the agenda that people are then turning around and talking about. We're, we're creating, you know, we're, we're putting things out there, we're putting ideas out there, we're putting, you know, uh, concepts out there that, uh, you know, that, that, that circulate and, you know, and, and, you know, give people food for thought. Uh, would be nice if they would stop stealing my takes, but that's okay. <laughs> no, it would kidding. be really but, nice you know, to hear this take was getting from Nick Sassento at CLNS Media. Boom. That would have been nice, but we don't get that. We just get sources say. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, so sources say. I mean, I don't, I, I'm not a source. I'm just a guy that watches, you know, uh, basketball. But I was the uh, managing editor of my college newspaper for a couple of semesters, you know, you could reach out. There CLNS you go, Media is a, is a credentialed uh, media outlet. So it's not like people yes. don't know who CLNS Media is. I remember one time, I forgot what the question was, uh, one of our uh, our colleagues, um, Yoel Pavone's brother, Joe Sway, um, asked Joe a question Sway. of one of the players after after the game, and he got, that question got played. They didn't show his face, but you could hear his voice, and it was a kind of a little a viral moment in terms of the, uh, you know, like the ESPN, you know, talk shows in, in Fox Sports, FS1, you know, talk shows, and they played that moment over and over again. Don't think that, you know, those more well-known, those uh, bigger, probably uh, wealthier <laughs> uh, Boston media sports outlets 
don't know who CLNS Media are, because they do. They know who CLNS Media is, what CLNS Media is, and who CLNS Media are. Do they listen to the shows? Do they tune in? Well, it, you know, it, it's how many times do. do coincidences happen? And I'm, you know, this is not to say that it's me or you or any, you know, anyone, any, any single individual, one of us, uh, putting it out there, but. We as CLNS Media, and I'm, I'm not going to sit here and toot the horn too long, but, you know, this is the, I mean, there are other post-game shows, but this is the longest-running post-game, you know, podcast. And like you said, immediately after the game. And these aren't things that we ha- we've had time. Some of the things we bring up that we see, you know, uh, things happening, you know, re- reoccurring, you know, uh, themes in the games and things that have happened. So, so we've thought about some of these things. But we're coming, you know, after what we just saw, and we're coming live on the air, and we're talking about what we just saw and giving our, you know, immediate take without really having any time to, you know what I mean, to 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 go over it and revise it. Is there's no rough drafts and you know final copies. These are this is you know straight raw, uncut and unfiltered. And hey, if you know if somebody out there is listening, you know. Uh, <laughs> Feel free to you know put me on the staff. I can I can do this in writing too. <laughs> but other than that, it's fun. I enjoy doing it, and I enjoy it especially when when there's when there's somebody like you, uh, Joe Show, that um oh, you know man. That, that, that has that, that ha, you know that has the the analytical, analytical mind, the, the the hoops mind that you do that can bounce ideas, and our fellow co-hosts like Yoel Pavone and uh, Taylor McLeod, and of course the boss Bobby Manning, Snotty Drippin', and you know the rest of uh, the CLNS Media Matt staff. Rory, Everybody has something to contribute. Absolutely. And one of the things we should one of the things we should point out is since that you, myself, and Joel were the triad for the the Milwaukee Bucks loss, we should absolutely point out that his brother Joe Sway and Joel run the Causeway Street podcast, which is lights out good. If you have an opportunity to listen to it, you should subscribe yes. to it on iTunes. It's the Causeway Street podcast. Joel Pavone, Joe Sway, they kill it week in week out. It's a definite listen. Absolutely, can't go wrong. And uh, uh, you know, since since we're uh, promoting things, I know that you, uh, Joe Show, uh, have your Brain Droppings podcast. I think you're still doing that. Aren't you? Oh, little, little yeah. So throw you throw you a little shout out. Maybe you can you know tell us what that's about. I know it's not always sports related, if even you know sports related at all. You can just you know get deeper into the. Speaking of deeper dives. We're going to do a, a Greg Luganis into the mind of uh, a Joe Chiquette with, you know, brain droppings. You can, you know, find out what he's thinking on any number of issues, whether it be, uh, I imagine sports gets in there sometimes, probably baseball, very heavily baseball-oriented. But I gotta, maybe even, actually, you know, deep philosophical yeah. issues, the episodes that I've listened to, very thought-provoking and insightful. So brain droppings, check out that podcast. And uh, if you want to, want to read the things that I think about the Boston Celtics when I'm not on the post-game show. You can go to the Bleed Green, Boston Celtics Bleed Green. It's Boston Celtics with Bleed Green in parentheses. There are other groups uh, that are perpetrators. They try to pretend to be us, but they're not. The Boston Celtics Bleed Green group on Facebook has nearly 95,000 members, the largest Boston Celtics fan group on Facebook. There is nobody that even comes half as close. So if you want to, you know, hear that, we have a good staff. We keep it, you know, clean, keep the spam and the clutter out of there. And, you know, a lot of the insight, I bounce my ideas off some of the people. Now there's obviously trolls like there is in every group and every social media context, but I bounce some of my ideas off of, you know, the people that are in there as well. And I kind of get a feel, you know, when you have,
have close to 100,000 fans of the Boston Celtics from all over the country and in many instances all over the world that are, you know, feeling the same thing, that are, that are, that are, that are watching the same games, you kind of get an idea for how the, the Boston Celtics Boston Celtics nation feel about certain things. And one of the running jokes is the Boston, whenever the Boston Celtics lose, somebody always has to post the Boston Celtics lost. Who are we trading tonight? Because that's basically the, the immediate response from everybody. But then, but amongst the you know the uh, ESPN trade machiners and the uh, 2K players that think you can just trade anybody for anybody without any type of things, we try to keep it level and explain to people how the you know the uh, the salary cap works, how trading has to, you know the money has to match with trading, and inform fans to make sure that Boston Celtics fans, who are some of the most intelligent fans, by the way. Uh, in all of that, in all of professional sports, but but definitely uh, some of the most intelligent and well-informed fans in the NBA um, to make sure that they remain that way and understand how the salary cap works, understand how trades work, understand that you can't trade, you know, Javante Green for Andre Drummond. It doesn't work that way. You know what I'm saying? And if other people are seeing what. We're seeing, like you and I, Joe Chiquette, about Gordon Hayward and understanding, you know, Gordon Hayward's contract situation, that if we're seeing that he's a diminished player and he's not, you know, he, the career stats – Career stats are not linear because that's factoring. I mean, yeah, that's factoring in his rookie rookie year where he didn't do all that well in those everything. years before his prime. So it's, it's it's factoring in everything. So when he came to Boston, people expected something similar, close to the you know the 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 Western Conference All Star. And of course, he had an injury that he couldn't control. Mm. That is not his fault. You just got to, right. like I said, you got to deal with where things are now. But you know, you, there, there's. When it comes to those type of things, you have to understand how contracts work, and that's one of those things that I think that we focused on. So Boston Celtics Bleed Green, the Brain Droppings podcast, Causeway Street with the Pavone brothers, there's all the offshoots. It's like, a, it's like an octopus you have, you know, or maybe it's more like Voltron. You got, you know, the CLNS, you know, uh, media at the at the head, and then you got the little lions, you know what I'm saying, on the arms and the feet to just, you know, have their little, you know, the spreading out and spreading the influence in all different other places. But if you want uh, good you know, content in 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 any topic, but especially in Boston Celtics, but in any topic, you know where to go. Oh man, that was so sweet. I don't even know how to follow it, but I will. I'll just say this real <laughs> quick. Um, I do, you know, I'll just mention the brain droppings for one quick second because it's a side project that I do and it does not involve the Boston Celtics. Um, I love talking, whether it's, whether I'm talking NBA, Boston Celtics, Red Sox, Patriots, Bruins, Celtics. It really doesn't matter to me when we're talking about professional sports in New England. Um, However, as any sports fan knows, you can get burnt out on sports over time. So I created the brain droppings podcast to basically it's not a, a, a simple format where I drop a new episode every week. I drop episodes when I have content to drop. Um, more often than not, Nick, it is not sports-related, even baseball-related. However, that being said, I did change gears, and dropping tomorrow is one on the baseball sign-stealing controversy and investigation that's going on in MLB right now because it has major implications whether you're a Boston sports fan a Houston fan or whether or not you're the poor Dodgers who are on the back end of receiving all of this cheating news think about that sometimes it's hard to think someone cheated now think if it's your spouse that cheated 
that's even harder. And that's what the Dodgers are dealing with. So we're going to delve into that on my episode. Just real easy stuff. I try not to do too much sports, a lot more life anecdotic, anecdotal stuff. Um, but going back to, you mentioned career stats. Um, career stats can be a misleading stat. I agree with you. However, um, they show you the line in which a player rolls at on a season to season type basis. So yes, does it show you the arc of progression? No, but it shows you that over the body of work, this is where the person's levels are points per game, minutes per game, three point percentage, field goal percentage, free throws, free throw percentage. You take a look at that over the course of a person's career and think about how that narrative can change depending upon the player you're talking about. Why do you say that, Joe? Well, we had a couple of years of Marcus Morris Sr. in the city. And I would argue with anybody who would like to argue with me. I know, Nick, you won't because we kind of share a brain on this one. Marcus Morris came out like a barn fire last year, just dropping and killing. At points in the course of the season last year, Marcus Morris was your best player earlier on, but still one of your best players leading into a hand injury that he got over the winter. Marcus Morris, all the, con- all the conversation was about how he was performing above career average level. When you look at his advanced stats, his career averages said points per game were X, field goals made X, everything across the board was X, and what he was doing for the season was Y, and we were all excited. No, I mentioned Gordon Hayward's not living up to that, and there are other factors that are coming into your mind. Gordon Gordon Hayward makes a wheelbarrow full or more of cash per game than Marcus Morris Sr. makes. I get that. So the expectations are higher. Gordon Hayward is expected to be an impact player in the starting five. Marcus Morris Sr. was not expected to do that in the Boston Celtics, whether it was 2017 or 2018. That wasn't his game. I get that. However, the overlying argument regarding whether or not we look at a player's career stats versus how they're performing in a current year is still static across the board. You're either at your career level, below your career level, or above your career level. And my argument on Gordon Hayward is, from a statistical perspective, the dude is outperforming his career averages over the course of his NBA career. That being said, in Boston, that's not what we measure our athletes by. Where Gordon Hayward is lacking is he may be blowing away his statistical uh, stats from his career stats, and he's not blowing them away. He's above and all, but not by leaps and bounds. That's not it. He's not impacting games. He's not a deciding factor in wins and or losses. He's not an impact player. And in Boston, in most NBA cities, We require our star athletes, our athletes with high expectations, the starting five, the starting 11, the starting nine, the starting six. You expect them to perform at a high level. You're not getting that from Gordon Hayward. You're getting the the efficiency, the output, the stats. You're not getting the impact. And I think that, unfortunately, is lending itself to what I call the J.D. Drew syndrome for Red Sox fans. J.D. Drew, Mr. Lunchpail, go to work every day, doesn't give exciting interviews, doesn't talk to the media, doesn't do dances after home runs, acts like he's been in the end zone every time he hits a home run. J.D. Drew, hated in the city of Boston. 
I dare any Red Sox fan to take a look at J.D. Drew's stats prior to the Red Sox versus at the Red Sox and then leaving the Red Sox. Dude had his best years in Boston but was never ingratiated to the fan base because he did not have an impact on wins or losses. That's my flaming Hot Cheeto take of tonight, Nick. Bang! Well, and I think that, you know, to, to, to wrap that up and maybe to wrap up the show, maybe, unless you have any other final thoughts, I think that what you just described, and I love that take. I, I don't think that's a hot take. I think that's, that's a spot on, you know, accurate hole in one or whatever. I don't know what the archery equivalent of hole in one is. Bullseye. That's what it is. It's a bullseye. bullseye. Right, right on the mark uh, take of, you know, f- filling up the stats but at the end of the day, not having the impact. I mean, he has an impact, but not having the impact that he needs to have to ingratiate himself uh, with, you know, the Boston Celtics uh, fan faithful. And that's and, and, and Boston Celtics fans are not going to hate Gordon Hayward because they know, uh, you know, what he's been through. They know that he put his body on the line for this team. They know that he sacrificed for this team. But it's you know you can't get upset with you know fans that float his name out there when it comes to potential you know what I'm saying salary filler maybe along with the with a couple of uh, you know draft picks to to you know maybe you know uh, 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 entice another team to to trade a piece to the Boston Celtics that might help that, that might actually have an impact. Because that's what the Boston Celtics need is they need it. they need an impact player. And that's what I thought. I thought the same thing. I didn't put it in such an eloquent way. But when I looked at it, it's like, oh, Gordon Hayward had 22 points tonight or whatever he had, something close like that. I believe it was 22 points, but he was in the 20s. But then it was like, but it didn't matter. Because, you know, Gordon Hayward, and the thought that I had was, you know, if Gordon Hayward is the best player on your team, and he wasn't the best player on the Boston Celtics tonight, I believe that was obviously Marcus Smart. But if you have a, a game where, you know, uh, Gordon Hayward scores 22, Jason Tatum has 26, and Marcus Smart has 37 points, and you, I, 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 that has to be a career high for Marcus Smart, if not as close to it. And the team still doesn't beat the Phoenix Suns, that's telling you that Gordon Hayward isn't a player that would constitute a big three because Marcus Smart isn't a, isn't a big three player. Marcus Smart is a hustle and grind guy. He's a heart guy. He's a, he's a lunch pail guy. He's a hard hat guy. He's, you know, a guy that does all the little things and apparently can also, you know, shoot lights out three when, you know, the, the, the moon is full. I don't know if it's a full moon, but, you know, whatever. He can apparently do that. But he, he filled in Marcus Smart, meaning, well enough to be, you know what I'm saying, the the – Number one guy on a on a on a on a, a three-headed monster type of team, and Jason Tatum, as inconsistent as 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 he's been this season, played well enough to be the number one or number two guy on a three-headed monster team. And then Gordon Hayward put in his 22 minutes, and all of what we've been talking about can be summed up by that alley layup that he did, that bunny that he missed in the last couple of seconds. He put those stats up. Mm. He had a he had a solid game when you look at the box score, but the impact that he had on this game was it, it basically boils down to missing that bunny. Not saying that that lost the game for us. I'm not I'm just saying that's like the, if you were to if you were to have a symbolic image of, you know, of of Gordon Hayward's impact on this game, that's basically it. 
And I'm not saying that, you know, like, I, I don't know if, if that makes any sense because he did good things in this game. He had a solid game, but maybe not so much his impact on this game, but his impact on this season. That's basically been it. He's done, he, he's done enough to make the box score look good, but when you need him to do something, it's very rare. I mean, I can't, I'm sure he's had a few, you know, game-winning situations since being in Boston. He's had a couple of game-winning shots. Or had, he's, he has had a couple of games where he took over and did his thing and was, you know, solid and you couldn't complain about it. But overall, Garden Hayward is not a guy that, that you can put in there and is going to be a big three or is going to be a big anything. Garden Hayward is a guy that... At best, and this is his game is n- nothing like Al Horford, but his role for the team is basically an Al Horford type role. He's a guy that's going to you know put some buckets on there. He's not going to shoulder put this team on his shoulders, but he's going to put you know get the get some buckets out there to keep you in the game or to keep you know you know to to do his part. He's going to facilitate because he is an excellent passer. He's a strong guy. He's going to grab some rebounds even though he's not the best rebounder out there. Neither was Al Horford, but he was a guy that just you know that that, that filled you know that filled up some of those stats while you had other players that could then go out there and put the team on their shoulders. You had other players that could go out there and make the game-winning plays. You had other players that could go out there and do that. And the thing about it is, is that Gordon Hayward doesn't even play the Al Horford, you know, role. Uh, and again, once again, I'm not saying he plays his game is like Al Horford, but the, that role of being, you know, a guy that can put some stats up to, you know, to to fill in the holes, fill in the gaps. Because even if you have a big three and all three of them score, you know, an average 25 points a night, that's only 75 points. You still need another 25 plus points. You know what I mean? From somewhere. And Al Horford and Gordon Hayward, like Al Horford, is should be the guy that can do that, and you just don't get it enough from Gordon Hayward, and Gordon Hayward is not the guy that's going to win you a game by himself. Maybe one or two a season, but he's not the, you know, he's 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 not part of a, of a three-headed monster. He's not part of a big three. He and for a guy that's making a max salary, and again, we know that that sal- that that contract was signed before all of these other extenuating circumstances. But when you, but when fans, to, to wheel it back around to my initial point, because I know I go off into about a million different directions, you can't blame the fans when they start floating his name. And it's not a disrespect of him. It's just an acknowledgement of what you and I have just been talking about here. You can't depend on him to win you games when other players are out. When Jalen Brown is out, Gordon Hayward doesn't fill in for Jalen Brown. Gordon Hayward's not Jalen Brown. You know what I mean? No, Marcus Smart does. Yeah, right. There you go. Marcus Smart fills in for Kemba Walker. Whoever it is, Marcus Smart did his part. But the same thing. Would you would you want the the Celtic season to rest on Marcus Smart having even a game half as good as that every single night? He's not going to if he scored 37 with the 18 and a half points a game. He's not he's not doing that. And he's not going to hit, you know, if he right. hit 11 threes, he's not going to hit five of them on 50% shooting every night either. So, he did that for this game. But see, that's the thing. Gordon but Hayward he is basically Marcus Smart has won us more game games than Gordon Hayward has is what is basically the point. And and and, and yeah. that's not right when you have a guy that's making 30 some odd million dollars and he's basically, you know, doing the the playing the role of a, you know what I'm saying, very good, you know, role player. No, I agree. He's making he's making the money based off the pre-injured Gordon Hayward. The current version of Gordon Hayward can't the the difference between he and Marcus Smart in their Boston careers? Marcus Smart 
at his core, when he wakes up in the morning, makes an impact on the floor. It, it, it's just <laughs> who he is. It's in his DNA. He makes an impact when he pours the Cheerios into the bowl. That's Marcus Smart. Gordon Hayward isn't made that way. It's not the way he's made up. So if you take a Jalen Brown out of your lineup, or you take a Kemba Walker, or you take a Jason Tatum, Marcus Smart is the guy you are looking at, first and foremost, if you're the coach of the Boston Celtics, to step up and play a better game. And you know what? He's also the guy that responds to stepping up and playing the better game. You cannot say that about Jason Tatum on a consistent basis. You cannot say that about Gordon Hayward. You cannot say that about anybody off the bench. Because you look at the bench's production tonight, it was ridiculous. Ridiculous. I mean, I'm so much disassociated with the bench's performance from Greg Williams through Javante Green, and and we all know how much I like Javante. But when you look at their contributions, I understand it's that, that old adage. Coach, I want to play more. Well, you got to practice better to get in the games. Well, I can't get into the games if you don't put me in. Well, you got to practice better. I get that. It's a, it's, a, it's a cyclical thing. And right now, playing every other day or a back-to-back between now and February 13th with 13 games to go, practice time is just not happening. Not full court, not team bonding practice. Shoot no. around, sure. But, but you're not getting into – set plays, implementing a different coverage scheme. You've got to roll with what's got you here with the personnel that you have available. That's why when I see them lose to a Milwaukee, I kind of look at it and go, all right, you were down Jalen Brown, Gordon Hayward, basically goose egg with some late points. And to be honest with you, Jason Tatum had 10 points until there was four minutes left in the game. I get that. However, when you don't show up against a Phoenix Suns team as a bench, you should be ashamed of yourselves. You know what I mean? At the oh, end yeah. of the day, this, is a, this, was a, this was a 12-win team coming in, Nick. This is the team that if your starters are not feeling it with the lack of Jalen Brown in there, then you as a coach, Brad Stevens, has to find some sort of rotation that will work. And you as players on that bench, you need to step up when your number's called. You know, and, and I'm not seeing that right now. So leading into the ASG and the trade deadline, if I have an opportunity to upgrade this bench, I'm not necessarily looking to, to upgrade the starting five because I think that with moving some pieces around, you can really balance this team out once healthy. The key to me is going to be finding an additional bench player that's going to play that second unit with Gordon Hayward and excel because I honestly believe that the, the, the Celtics' key in the second half towards making a run and going deep in the playoffs is finding a balance of talent on this team and working with the available hands at hand. And if that means upgrading a bench player, if that means moving Gordon Hayward to the six man role with significant minutes, I'm not saying drop him down into the 17 minute range, 25 minutes a game is a, is a solid contribution. Not to mention if you need to reinsert him into the starting five, as you get into the playoffs, it's not that bad of a deal because he's only playing 25 minutes a night on that foot, which is getting an opportunity to kind of get better at a slower rate. I think there are plenty of potential moves that can be made for this team that are nominally impactful in regards to the, the loved players in this town and the starting five that could Davis solidify. Well, Davis yeah. Bertans. I, 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 like, I, I like Bertans. I think that's a very smart play. 
I, I think he's a great, he's a good player. I think he, he gives you that, that juice off the bench if you need it. Um, great shooter I has think size, he, a, not the best rebounder for, yeah. for a guy that's six foot 10 or whatever it is that he is six foot 11, but he's a, he has size and that's, you know, sometimes, you know, that's, just the size alone matters. That's why I've been an advocate for the whole season for uh, getting Vinny Sex Pants out of here and putting Taco Fall on the main roster because just his main, just his right. size alone makes a difference. And not that Davis, not that being six foot eleven and, and Davis Bertans is you know any anywhere close to having that you know that same type of impact in terms of size. But a guy that plays you know the majority of the time at power forward as a stretch four, but can also play you know. Uh, you know, sometimes a big three or a small, you know, uh, five. And even a, five. For, a, for a small five, at six foot 11, he's still two or three inches taller than Daniel Tice, our starting center. So right. I, I think, and, and he's $7 million a year. It doesn't require you to break up the uh, the core, probably just, you know, some, some filler and, you know, maybe one of those number one picks, a Memphis pick or something. Yeah, I don't know if he's worth the Memphis pick, but I, I don't, I'm not, I haven't followed exactly how those picks and everything else shake out, but if you right. can, you know, throw a first-round pick and you know some salary filler and get Davis, you know, Bretans, I think that's a that's a quality move. Is it the the big lumbering, you know, rebounding big man that everybody wants? No, but you know, if you can put other bet, you know, other solid pieces around there, especially a guy that can shoot when you need somebody that you know to score a bucket to hit a three-pointer like Davis Bretans, then you know maybe that you know that's that's a that's. A, a, a good enough solution, you know what I mean? That tonight was a bad night because you know DeAndre Ayton is going to eat Daniel Tice pretty much. You know if they play ten games, I imagine he's going to get the best of Daniel Tice, probably nine and a half of them. You know what I mean? He's just, just that's just the way that it's going to be. But if you can outplay the other team in most of the other facets of the game. Now, I know that, you know, uh, 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 Devin Booker, you're not going to necessarily outplay him offensively, but there's no reason if the Boston Celtics were healthy, and I mean, obviously, this is this is an anything but healthy team, you have more than enough, you know, weapons, more than enough firepower to, you know, to, to outscore and, 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 and beat the Phoenix Suns. That's, that's really not a question if you have a healthy team. But, you know, Davis Bertans is that type of guy that you know, I think more often than not, you, 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 most teams don't have a, a center like DeAndre Ayton or a center like Joel Embiid or a center like Carl Anthony Towns. So which do you need more? Do you need a guy that's going to come out there that can stretch the floor, has some size, that can hit three-pointers and, you know, uh, you know, make some plays like that? Uh, in be effective against you know pretty much any team in the NBA, or do you need you know uh, uh, you know do you want to trade for a you know twenty five million plus per year player like Andre Drummond who does you good against maybe you know five or six teams in the league, you know what I mean? Sure, he, he you know they're each each one has his vices and his virtues, but I think that you know unless you can do something where maybe and I, and, I, and I don't want to keep you know harping on. Garden Hayward, but you know uh, uh, Hayward for Drummond, and I don't see why Detroit would do that unless they really just want just like a Drummond fire sale. But you know, anything short of that, I don't see you know putting together any of the core pieces just to get a big man that you really only need. I mean, when I say need, I mean necessity that you really only need against you know uh, one fifth or one you know against like I said five or six teams in the league because other than that you can get by without having you know, a solid, you know what I mean, you know, top flight big man. 
So a guy like Davis Bertans is seven million dollars. I like I like that move. I think that move is a nice move. But I don't even see. This is where we reached the point where we where we're done with the Suns game, and now we're talking about possible moves. So that that's I'm just gonna right. I'm gonna end my my uh, diatribe with that. I would like a, I, I think a minor move. Is unless unless you can find someone in again I do not want to hate on Gordon Hayward but unless you can get a real impact player for Gordon Hayward pretty much straight up maybe throw in a couple of you know extraneous picks or something else to 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 you know to 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 sweeten the pot unless you can do something like that because I don't think Gordon Hayward is the future of this team I just don't I, I don't think it's going to happen I think Gordon Hayward will maybe get slightly better, maybe slightly more consistent, uh, you know, as he, you know, continues to work through or deal with whatever these lingering issues are with the the nerve damage in his foot, whatever's happening with his hand. But I don't think you're ever going to get a $30 million Garden Hayward again. It's not going to happen. So unless you're you're moving Garden Hayward, I don't think uh, Danny Ainge should make any moves that's going to uh, disrupt the main core of this team moving forward, which to me looks like uh, definitely Jalen Brown, definitely Kemba Walker. Kemba Walker signed a four-year contract, um, and I would hope definitely Jason Tatum. If you know, he, I, I fully believe Jason Tatum is going to work out his uh, inconsistencies and his kinks, and he's going to get his game together. Because look at this, the the jump that Jalen Brown took now between his third and his fourth year. That's I think you can probably expect something similar from Jason Tatum. You know, next year between you know after his third year going into his fourth year. Those are your those. Are your core players, and if you can add a you know a, a nice you know young big stretch four like Davis Bertans without disrupting the core, I think that's a better move than trying to you know fulfill this this weird obsession with having a lumbering big man that can you know compete with <laughs> those five teams in the league that have super dominant big men. No, I think I, you literally nailed it, Nick. I mean point in and point out it's 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 hard to argue i mean at the end of the day this celtics team has 13 games left going into the asg um it has questions to be answered it has injuries to be healed it has games to be played and as we we progress through the next 13 i think we afford ourselves the opportunity to to really get a a strong hold especially going into the all-star break on on what this team's true needs are going to be as players come back from injury, as as player rotations tend to settle because you don't have a lot of turnover in the roster, um, we're really going to see where these glaring needs are going to be in February compared to where they were in October. And I think that's going to create a clear enough picture. I have enough faith in Danny Ainge as a president and GM to to manage the the insurmountable task of the salary cap, which you and I are both not qualified to be cap analysts um, to understand exactly which players need to be moved, what that cost looks like, what picks that would involve to make money work, to bring in a player that's going to have some sort of lasting impact on this team's potential to get as far as it has the potential to get in the 2019, 2020 regular season, and then beyond and into the 2020 playoffs. My deep seated hope is that, it's a minor move with a major internal move that affords this team the opportunity to reach its pinnacle of potential and push itself as far as that's going to take it. I think ultimately you're going to need 
some sort of answer outside of semi ogelet when it comes to facing the Bucks, if you get that far in the playoffs where you are matched up with them. Um, because I think we saw the other night, that's not last year's scouting report and the year before a scouting report is not this year's scouting report. Um, one player has stayed stagnant in their potential and growth. The other one has become considered a top five player in the NBA. So you're going to need to find some other silver bullet to slow down the Greek freak if your ultimate goal is to progress to the NBA finals. So what that looks like for the Boston Celtics, whether that's a player that's on the roster currently, I'm not 100% sure, but I can, but I can tell you this. It's not Taco <laughs> Fall this year. It might be Taco Fall next year, but it's not Taco this year. you got to understand that Taco this year is a marketing stunt. Taco next year will be a player in development. And Taco in year three will either be a serviceable NBA player with a high ceiling or a mid-ceiling, or he's going to be out of the league. I mean, that's how this plays out. He's got to get the footwork down. He's got to understand the NBA defense. He's got to understand play recognition in the paint. And he's got to be more than a guy who doesn't have to jump to dunk. And if he can improve those parts of his game, if he has the, the drive, if he buddies up and roommates with a player of the caliber of Jalen Brown, then, then the sky's the ceiling for this kid. But you got to have that. You have to have the genetic makeup to be able to mature your game into the, the potential that it needs to reach, regardless of height, whether you're 7'6 six or 6'7. Six, it doesn't matter. It comes down to what you have, what you can mold it into, and how you can apply it. And the jury's out on Taco Fall. It shouldn't be, it shouldn't, the jury shouldn't even be thinking about reconvening any time in the next year and a half. But he's a player to watch. I can agree with that. I just don't think he's NBA ready at this moment. That's just my take. I mean, I know you love him, so <laughs> there's that. I, my, my, my thing is, uh, I just, I just, and I'll just end the, the the point on this. I just don't understand why uh, Vincent Poirier got a guaranteed contract to drop passes uh, in the paint uh, and fumble the ball away and do absolutely nothing when Taco Fall can literally stand there with his arms in the air and have a bigger impact on the game than, you know, Vinny Sexpans. It just makes no sense to me. I mean, not even I understand he's getting more run in Maine, you know, but like I said, you, you stand there in the paint with your arms up and it changes a lot of players' sides. You just look at that guy and it changes, you know what I'm saying, your intentions of coming into the paint. Is he, is he, a, is he a polished player? Absolutely not, but I still think that if uh, and, and I don't want to pick on Vinny Sexpants, but if Vincent Poirier is on an NBA roster, how can Taco Fall not be? You know, I, I I just think I mean even for five minutes a game or ten minutes a game, eight minutes a game, I think a good a good compromise to just throw them out there and make other teams that are attacking the basket like the Milwaukee Bucks that are just constantly you know attacking the basket and kicking out to a guy like Middleton if there's not a shot at the basket, you know you just have you know a guy standing there with his arms up. It changes, you know, it changes things. And that's really at this point all you really need from that guy. I mean, is he is he really that much, you know, less developed than Vincent Poirier from what you've seen? Is he really, does he really have worse conditioning? I mean, Vincent Poirier looks slow and out of shape. I mean, I just, it, it just, I don't, I don't get it. I, I, I don't understand Danny Ainge and, and his obsession with these French players. I mean, was wasn't Gershon Yabuselli, you know, enough that we, you know, now we have to be tortured with Vincent Poirier? 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, now we got Vincent Poirier. I, I, I think, I think the the upside for for Taco is just is just better to me personally. And I know that Poirier was a very solid Euro League player, but maybe that doesn't always uh, translate. And I mean. I, my my question is why haven't the Boston Celtics hired Kevin Garnett to come in and you know start working with you know Robert Williams and working with uh, Taco Fall and working with some of these you know these big guys to show them you know the the the, the things that you know that that Kevin Garnett you know could I know not there's there's nobody quite like Kevin Garnett especially Kevin Garnett in his prime that was a he was you know a, a non buff. You know, version of Giannis, Giannis Antetokounmpo. He was a, he was a, to me, I think he was a better, you know, Giannis Antetokounmpo in his day. You know, the MVP version of Kevin Garnett. Well, and yeah, I, th- I think, I think, you know, maybe not lockering up with Jalen Brown because I don't know what Jalen Brown can really, you know, I suppose there, there are fundamental aspects that Jalen Brown could, you know, instill in somebody, in a player like Taco Fall, a young player like Taco Fall. But you kind of need a. Uh, you know, the uh, a benefactor to the apprentice. You know what I'm saying? The guy that's going to, you know, to to take him, take you under the wing and show you how to be an NBA big man. And I don't. There's nobody I don't that I can think of. You know, within the Boston Celtics right now, because they haven't really had a big man for so long. That you know, this there that can really, you know, show you know show these these type of players, these type of developmental players. You know, w- w- you know what to do and how to, you know, get the best out of them in the quickest amount of time. Because this team clearly needs something. I, you know, I, I, earlier in the season, I didn't want to mess with a good thing because this team was r- rolling on all cylinders. And this this will be my final observation for tonight. This team was, you know, rolling on all cylinders. You, you know, it was it was. It was it was exceptional. It was fun to watch. It was incredible. It was you know this it was the the most fun I had watching uh, Celtics basketball in the in the past you know two or three seasons since it left because it was so exciting. It was fun. You know you wanted to pull for the little guy. You liked you know the the underdog story of it coming you know coming from you know being a sixth man to actually getting MVP votes. You know what I'm saying? Or being considered for the MVP. I think he was what like third or fourth that year that he had that that incredible uh, season with the Boston. Celtics that you know you finally have a season that's this fun after two seasons of you know just win or lose just you know wanting to you know sit in a warm bath and let out your veins you know and then we have this fun and then all of a sudden it's all come crashing down and I think you know all we're all we're really doing here is just kind of grasping for answers at this point. The show is you know at that point at that stage in the show, the end of the show where we're just grasping at anything. I I agree with you. I don't want to see a major move. I don't want to see any you know of the core players moving forward because I think when we talk about core players now, I think this is the this is the phase we've 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 done the the Garden Hayward experiment. We've done all that other stuff. I think Danny Ainge needs to. Look, look at the players, and I know that Brad Stevens may disagree because maybe you know that's you know that's one of those things that's you know really keeping Gordon Hayward in the starting lineup and really keeping Gordon Hayward you know afloat here in Boston is that you know he's Brad Stevens you know guy he's a Brad Stevens player but I think you know at this at this stage you got to look to what the next four years are going to look like. And I think Kemba Walker is, is more than a suitable, you know what I mean, star, more than a suitable leader. He's unselfish, especially when you've got two burgeoning rising stars like Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. Uh, but there's still, you know, some some extra pieces. And I think, you know, if, if you keep Gordon Hayward for the rest of his contract, for the remainder of his contract, he opts into, the, I think, the last year of his, his contract. And you can add a guy, and I'll just I'll just stick with the, the Davis-Bertans thing because he's – I've just been, 
you know, talking about him, but it could be anybody. And you can add somebody that shores up the bench or they can give you, you know, an extra added dimension that you maybe don't have. I mean, we don't have really a, a six foot eleven sharpshooter on this team. We don't have that. So, I mean, uh, Davis pretends it adds something this team doesn't have, uh, you know, I think now is a time where it's kind of like, you know, I didn't want to think about it before, and I still don't want to break up any of the chemistry. I just don't even know. Do you, this this would be how I close it out, and you can close it out with this, and I'll, I'll, I'll mute myself on my phone. Do you think if the Boston Celtics were theoretically to trade Gordon Hayward for something, it doesn't matter. Let's just say a generic player because I don't want to factor in whether or not that player would have any impact on the chemistry of the team. But do you think losing Gordon Hayward would disrupt the chemistry of this team and the potential of this team, or do you think that it would? Because my opinion, and I'd love to hear what you have to say, Joe. Show, but my opinion is, I think that if Gordon Hayward were gone, I don't think it would. I don't think you would lose much of the intangibles or much of the spirit or heart or. You know what I'm saying? Like the, the the I don't think you'd lose much of the chemistry. I think the team would be able to recover from that loss. As much as I'm sure, I'm sure the locker room likes Gordon Hayward. I don't think anybody has any beef with Gordon Hayward. I would imagine he is a fantastic person. So I don't think he's I don't think he's a problem in any way, shape, or form. So I'm not saying that. But do you think you know that if he were traded, it would be like? And I just had this discussion with uh, with somebody on on one of the social networks, whether it's Twitter. Or Facebook or something of you know t- t- the trades that Danny Ainge has made at the deadline, and I mentioned you know uh, the 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 perk for Jeff Green trade, and the the person that I was uh, discussing it with said, well you know d- uh, you know Perk wasn't you know doing all that much, he was coming off an injury, he wasn't doing all that much in his you know contribution. I said, yeah, but if the last two seasons didn't prove it, it's chemistry has as much of an impact as, as anything else and if you were to go back and look at the quotes or read the quotes that have come out since then about how the Celtics players felt about the, tr- the, 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 the Kendrick Perkins trade it really devastated that locker room even though you know Perk wasn't you know doing all that much on the court it devastated that locker room because he was a glue guy. Now we can say similar things. Gordon Hayward, he has occasional good games, but when you know when you really need him, he's you know missing the alley the alley layups. You know what I'm saying? So, do you think the Boston Celtics would be dealt a, a, you know a, a blow they can't recover from if Gordon Hayward were traded? Do you think it would disrupt the locker room that much that it would you know that the right. Boston Celtics couldn't recover? Um. Wow, it's actually it's it's two questions. Would the Celtics recover from dra- from trading Gordon Hayward? Um, yeah, they'd recover because you'd have to send a ton of money away, and you're getting a ton of money back. Some of it dead, some of it alive. Are those players going to be an impact? Who knows? Are they the right players for this locker room? Assuming that they are, then the locker room, you know, I don't but know. But do you think Gordon is, is a resilient. critical piece? And, and, I do. I just don't think he's a critical piece of your starting five. I think he's a critical piece of your team. Now. Okay. And, you know, okay. not, not to, not to bang back too, too far to the, the six man convo, but yes, I believe that he is the key. He's one of the keys to this team. finding. you know, think of it from a business perspective. If you're Danny Ainge, do I want to get rid of a, a, a star contract like Gordon Hayward and pick up some other dead money or somebody else's underperforming, overpaid star to bring him into this team or can I find another role for this player in which the player exceeds 
the, the team exceeds and the potential is met. Well, I'd rather option B, and option B is making him that number six man off the bench that we saw at a month and a half into the season last year where he excelled in that role because it was a limited role for Gordon Hayward. The ball was running through Gordon Hayward, which obviously in its own right builds confidence, also increases opportunities off the ball with, with the assist coming back your way for the, the easy bunny. There are plenty of opportunities to maximize Gordon Hayward's potential. I just don't, I personally, as watching this team through, through the first couple of months, I just don't see that potential as part of your starting five. I think regardless of who you roll out there, Jason Tatum is drawing a lot of attention. Jalen Brown draws a lot of attention. Kemba Walker draws a lot of attention. I don't need Gordon Hayward out there as well, garnering a lot of attention. I could deal with three of the five garnering a lot of attention when the ball's in their hand and then move one of those players as the sixth man in the second unit who's going to take some of that extra heat off and allow these role players to do what they do. And that's what they do. They excel when they have open shots, when they have free-flowing ball movement. I mean, Gordon Hayward is a bunch of things. One thing he's not is a selfish ball hog. I mean, I don't think you could find a Celtics fan, an NBA fan, or a Utah Jazz fan, for that matter, that would tell you that they felt like Gordon Hayward was a ball hog. You know, one of the things that, that's characteristic of his game is that he sleepwalks to six assists almost every night. I mean, and that's being part of the starting five. The ball rolls through Gordon Hayward. He has excellent court vision. He's a little too big to be a point, but he can bring it up. He can be the, the primary ball handler on a possession. And I think that that's what helps your team maximize its potential. Now, from a business perspective, if I'm Danny Ainge, I'd much rather that outcome because then that frees up my ability to move these lower level contracts, these moving pieces in the NBA, so to speak. I'm going to give you my guy who hasn't reached his potential for your guy that hasn't reached his potential. Contracts and money match up. We make this transaction. It's a swift move. Minimal impact to my, my clubhouse. Minimal impact to my locker room minimal impact to my team. However, this player, like the player I traded, has all the potential in the world. I wonder if he has the mentality, makeup, and, and constitution to excel in the Boston media market, to excel with a storied franchise like the Boston Celtics. That, from a business perspective, if I'm Danny Ainge, that's the outcome that I am, I'm looking for, that I want. And I think that's his plan A, but knowing Danny Ainge and watching him over the course of his tenure here with the Boston Celtics from a, an executive office position, Danny Ainge is a lot of things. And some of those things are calculated, smart, uh, intentionful, meaning when he makes a move, he doesn't make a move on a whim. He makes a move to fill a void or he makes a move to make his team better. Um, he's also known as a hell of a negotiator. So I put a lot of faith in Danny Ainge picking him looking at the pieces that are available in the NBA and determining whether or not those available pieces are better than the pieces he currently has on the bench and picking that player and moving that cash, whether it's a player and a pick or two players for a player, but somebody to add to that bench that fills a void that he sees in this team that maybe we don't, because again, we're watching a team that's going through the throes of injuries right now. We're watching a team that's in the middle of a, it's, it's not a hellacious schedule, but it's a busy schedule. It's every other night or a back-to-back -back from, from January 13th through February 13th. It's a month. But they're playing continuously. 
if I'm Danny Ainge, I already know who that guy that I want to move is. And I'm just waiting to see who's available in that market. And if, he, if that person that I'm looking to move for is better than the person I currently have. It's either going to be one of those off or one of those mid-season moves where Danny either ha- finds that player and makes that move or stands pat and decides to roll with what he has. But ultimately, I think the key to success for this Boston Celtics, the 2019-2020 Boston Celtics team, is moving Gordon Hayward from the starting five back to the first man off the bench, your, your quintessential six man, and having the ball run through him on that offensive set almost every single time. Nick, that's all the time I got tonight, my brother. I know it's not that late, but it's a little past 11 here, and I'm beat. So tonight's game, I'm putting in the little wooden box, storing it in the corner, looking forward to the next one. Um, Hopefully get another (laughs) opportunity to do post game with you. Um, As we mentioned earlier, in lieu of listening to this podcast again, I'm going to make sure I check out the Causeway Street podcast. My podcast drops. You have your Facebook page with 95,000 subscribers, which is unreal with amazing content. Dude, I'm, I'm tapped out. I'm done. Have a great night, my brother. Take it easy, Joe. Show appreciate it as always. It's a pleasure to host these uh, these post game shows with you. Fantastic analysis, and I, I couldn't agree uh, more with what you just said. And just to uh, wrap it up, I think the, if it's not Gordon Hayward, I, I, I'm not sure it's going to be a uh, necessarily a player that hasn't reached his full potential unless that player is just a filler. It may be uh, a player that's not yet even on the Boston Celtics roster. Maybe it's a, a, a draft pick. And just some random players that fill out the, uh, the the contract requirements to match money. But whatever it is, when we get to the point where we're talking about you know potential moves and all that other stuff, that means that the uh, the game wasn't all that great, and we've exhausted all analysis of that game. So uh, once again, the Boston Celtics dropping uh, a what should have been a gimme, but I guess you could consider it a trap game, although I think that's been the excuse for the previous several losses. Uh, 123-119 to loss to the uh, Phoenix Suns at home in TD Garden, just their fifth loss uh, at home. You can join us again. I'm not sure who the host will be. This, I can imagine, is going to be Bobby because he likes to take those good games. But uh, you can join CLS, CLNS Media Boston Celtics postgame show again uh, this Monday, January the 20th, as the Boston Celtics host hated rival LeBron James and the garbage Los Angeles Lakers. Uh, game starts at 7.30, so that means the postgame show should kick off sometime around 10 or pretty much as close to the uh, end of the game as possible. So make sure to join CLNS Media this Monday, January 20th, for the next episode of the CLNS Media Boston Celtics postgame show. And with that, for my co-host, Joe Chiquette, I am New Bedford Nick Sacento. Thanks for tuning in, y'all.